us your first thoughts on scripture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the not formerly Monday check-in of the First Thoughts podcast. Isn't that fun? It is fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, it's really, really <laughs> cold outside today. <laughs> what is the current temperature outside? Uh, below zero would be my guess. Why don't you check? Oh, I think I don't think that it is. I think it is below zero. Two degrees. Two degrees. Factor in the wind chill for that for me. Sunshiny. I can't do that. Okay. Wind chill's made up. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. We've Sunshiny. Had, we've had quite a streak this week. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. Uh, no, it has not. <laughs> but we're here. Um, the podcast studio, uh, we had to run the heater for about an hour before we could come in here and actually record our podcast this morning. Uh, and that's okay, because it warmed up nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, with mm-hmm. the sun shining through the stained glass windows behind us, it actually looks pleasant. And, yeah. And it's lovely out. It's sunshiny. It's quiet. It's great. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Disagree. So eventually, once we're done with the weather forecast, one of the most, this is one of the best weather forecasts probably ever recorded as well. Well, not, we're not really forecasting. It's been really helpful and informative. This I is think, this is the kind of thing that um, people in Nebraska, do, retired farmers, do. They sit around, and drink coffee, and talk about the weather. This is what everybody does. But we're not retired farmers. Well, I know. I'm just saying, everybody does it. It's it's something in common that we all share, right? We're all mm-hmm. experiencing the same weather, so it's it's a commonality. We may have different views about why the weather is the way it is, but we all experience the weather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something to that. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves to talk about the weather. I don't know why, but they do. It's just it's just the thing. But we're done talking about the weather. For we're going to talk about first thoughts now. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So first thoughts for those who don't know. Uh, I'm Damon Jensen Heitman. I'm one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Hastings. And first thoughts as we take a look at the scripture that is going to be used for the upcoming Sunday at First Pres, and essentially just share our first thoughts related to that scripture. It's a little miniature Bible study, but it's not... We're not, uh, you know... Going out of our way right now because it's Monday, generally, but today it's Tuesday. Yeah. To like really find what exactly does this word mean? No. You know, it's kind of it's it's an opening, sort of a thing. Here's kind of what I'm thinking, where I'm leaning. Here's what I'm curious um, about this passage. Here's where I think this passage might want to meet us currently, right? Yeah. Um, and and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. That's pretty much what we do. Yeah, we usually open with prayer. I will do that, and then we'll uh, maybe jump into our study here. Sounds good. Let's uh, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, on this cold day, we ask that you warm our hearts, warm us with your Holy Spirit, let it move among us, 
let it move into our minds and challenge us to reflect on these ancient words and think about their relevance for us today. Bless and guide our study of these scriptures. Bless and guide our preparations of the sermon that will be delivered on Sunday. And bless and guide us, O God. Help us to be your hands and your feet, your love and your light in this world. In Jesus' holy and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are continuing our study of the Gospel of Mark uh, as we continue on what we call the narrative lectionary. And so the narrative lectionary is going to take us on a deep dive in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, We spent the first three weeks on just Mark 1 and 2, and then the narrative lectionary, uh, for some reason, skips chapters 3 and 4 and moves us to chapter 5. Yeah. And so we are here, uh, we're going to study 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. Five, and then I've paired that with a passage from Ephesians that I think I'm going to use and I think speaks to what we're talking about here, but we'll find out by the end of the, uh, the first thoughts. We'll know. <laughs> well, I don't know if we'll know or not. We'll understand the question maybe better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then immediately following recording this, uh, just a reminder that uh, we do do a Tuesday noon Bible study here at this church uh, every Tuesday at noon, uh, nearly every Tuesday. There's occasions yeah. that we cancel it. Uh, and that's a chance to sit down and discuss the scripture, kind of like we do here on the first thoughts, but uh, also to do it with other members of the church and get their sort of perspectives and insights into it. Um, and again, so if you ever want to join us, you can do that. We do that in person, but we also uh, have a Zoom link for that. So if you're interested in joining the Tuesday Noon Bible Study, let us know. We'll send you that Zoom link if you're away. If you're here in Hastings, come on down to the church. We'd love to have you. So we'll be doing that later today as well. But uh, right now, let's, uh, let's read this and, and talk about it. Okay. Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20, reads something like this. They came to the other side of the sea. They here is Jesus and some disciples. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat immediately, a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him any more, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the change, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Day and night among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there, now there on the hillside... Okay, now I understand the sentence. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding. And the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off 
and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what had happened, what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to, and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. That's it. Great, what do you got? Um, well, you know, I mentioned that we, we studied Mark 1 and 2, and then we skipped to Mark 5, so we go over, uh, we skipped chapters 3 and 4 of Mark, and uh, the portion of Mark 4, right before this, before we jump into Mark 5, 1, because mm-hmm. Mark 5, 1 starts, they came to the other side of the sea. Yeah. Because in Mark 4, Jesus has just calmed the Sea of Galilee. Um, the disciples thought they were all going to die out on a fishing boat, and Jesus calms the storm. So he's showing power over the natural world mm-hmm. right before this. Mm-hmm. And then this is an example where he's showing power over the spiritual world or the spiritual realm. Yeah. Um, it's just an interesting uh, two stories back to back that are both demonstrating sort of this is what Jesus' power and ministry and what this kingdom of God stuff is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is not the first demon that he's cast out in the gospel of mark correct uh it's not even like the second or third right <laughs> right as as we've discovered in mark one and two this this is a pretty regular occurrence and and you know a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh what does it mean to cast out a demon or an unclean spirit and a lot of biblical scholars would say in modern day terminology we would we would maybe talk about the being that being mental health so people have been cured of, of mental health issues and I was talking with uh, Dr. Dan Deffenbar, a theologian in residence here at the church, and he said, you know, mental health, yes, but what about moral health? And he was sort of wrestling with that term that people are unhealthy morally, and by Jesus having an encounter with them, they're able to... And it was just an interesting insight that Dan Mm -hmm. offered, and and I sort of wrestled with that a bit, too. Um, but there's a variety of ways to, to think about this unclean spirits or, or demon possession. It's not language we use too often in the Presbyterian Church. We don't talk that much about demonic forces in the world or being possessed by demons. We don't have a long history in the Presbyterian Church of exorcisms. Um, although one of the scholars that I read a commentary on this talked that this is the, the standard format of an exorcism. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was interesting. Uh, but again, not language that I'm all that familiar with or even comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and so sort of leaning into the discomfort a little bit here. Yeah, it's interesting. Whatever the case is that is that is going on for this gentleman in this passage, he is acting in a way that is destructive. Yep. Right? Uh, destructive to himself, certainly. Um, perhaps destructive to others as well, though that's less 
that doesn't say that, but <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. People are scared of him, but it, it, the passage doesn't say that he does harm to other people. It says he does harm to himself, and he does scary things, yeah, like howling um, and bruising himself with stones. And it's interesting reading the part about the shackles and chains, and and I obviously have a I have a strong reaction to the idea of shackling or chaining human beings, but. I think this was an act of compassion of his community because this man was harming himself. Their their goal was to keep him from hurting himself. And so they, they would try to restrain him. Um, but we read that they were unable to do that. He was able to break free of the shackles and change. And then he would run up and down through this graveyard on the mountainside, howling and bruising himself. Yeah, there is something going on <clears throat> that people have been unable to treat or fix or cure themselves. Yes. Right? The things that they have tried Mm -hmm. in order to reverse this situation have not worked. Yep. And and they're probably out of ideas. Yep. It seems. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Which I think you could make analogous to... Lots of different things, right? Like you could make there's some sort of moral dysfunction mm-hmm. among us, right? Right. And the things that we have tried to to do to fix that um, have maybe helped in some ways, but that hasn't really removed the the entirety of the sickness, or right. you know, whatever the case might be. Whether um, that that yeah, mm-hmm. and on a personal level, that could be mental health, that could be addiction, that could be yeah, uh, any variety of things. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, something that is troubling a person or a community, really. And that's 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 kind of where my mind is going on this. That this is um, this very well is a literal story of Jesus healing somebody who is hurting, mm-hmm. but. Um, I'm also thinking about this as a sort of a, a parable at the community level, that there are, there are things going on in the community. The community itself, the, the, the system, the structure is, is, is broken and yeah. is, is hurting. And Jesus comes to heal that as well. And I think there's an acknowledgement um, when we're going to use some of this spiritual language, an acknowledgement that, that these systems and structures can be broken or hurting or full of sin or, um, you know, in this language, sort of have an unclean spirit or be demon possessed. Um, and, and so there's an interplay with the individual and the community. And there's a lot going on here that I think is worth exploring and talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued in this story about, about the folks who show up later. Mm -hmm. Um, because the, this whole thing takes place. The, the the demon who is many asks if they can be allowed to go into the into the swine, and Jesus says, "Okay, yep, go. That's fine." And then they run the swine off of a cliff and into the sea where they drown. And then the swine herds run off and tell this to everybody. And then all these folks show up, and they see. Jesus sit and the the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, um, and they're afraid. And then in verse sixteen, those who had seen what had happened 
to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. So then, the, okay, now here's what happened, right? And then those folks who are then receiving that report, it, they, they kind of, I think, have like something of a choice mm-hmm. in sort of which part of this story are they going to find more interesting or, um, or buy into more? Like, like, are they going to buy into the part of the story that is, um, like, losing 2,000 swine, I would, you know, that's a big economic impact, or, like, and that's, that there's a huge cost in that, right? But the, but, but the benefit is the restoration of a person who is hurting and broken. Right. So right? Which, so, point, which part of the story do they hold on to? Yes. Right? Yes. That's, the, yes. And and the folks in this story seem to hold on to the, the first part. They see the cost. Right. Right. And they, and they can't get past the cost. And they beg Jesus to leave their mm-hmm. neighborhood. Jesus, who just healed and restored a very broken individual, is now being asked to, to leave because part part of that healing and restoration came at a cost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it makes me think. So like <clears throat> going on, like if we thought about that on a community level, thinking about how you were talking about this, like if we as a community said we are going to house permanently everyone who's in this community, mm-hmm. right? There would be a cost mm-hmm. to do that, right? Um, it would it would cost volunteer hours. It would cost uh, they would monetarily. It would there would be in kind donations probably from companies or organizations mm-hmm. to do that, right? Um, and so then we, if you were part of the community and you heard about this idea, you would you would kind of have a choice. Where you could say, "Geez, that seems like a lot," and Mm -hmm. how uh, that 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 seems that's a lot of cost to that. Or, oh, oh, like we could actually house, like everybody could have a warm place to sleep the last couple of nights. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing, right? Right. So there's this sort of, I don't know. I just kind of envision those folks sort of. Which part of this, which side of this equation do I want to lean into? If that, yeah, makes no, sense. I, I think you're onto something there, and and I think, um, yeah, it's 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 an important perspective to consider when we're looking at this story, um, and and the community's response to the story and that sort of thing, um, and yeah, I. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's a good example. Um, and, and frankly, I pray, I hope that in our community, nobody was exposed to the elements and sleeping outside. So in some way, our community did yeah, uh, yeah. calculate that cost and say it's worth it, whether folks were put up in crossroads or went to relatives' houses. or Sure. Um, mm-hmm. There's a friend of mine uh, who pastors a church in Austin, and this cold snap that we're having in Nebraska has Austin, reached Texas. I yes. Assume? Austin, okay. Texas, this cold snap we're having in Nebraska has reached all the way down to Texas. And, uh, his response with his session support 
was starting tonight, we are a cold weather shelter that happens to be a church. Mm-hmm. We are not a church that is converting itself into a cold weather shelter. And it was this radical realignment of identity that yeah. the call of the church right now is is not to have a nice worship service on Sunday morning. The call of the church is to make sure people are not out dying in the cold. Mm-hmm. And so um, his statement that he posted, it was profound. And it really struck me uh, as, as a powerful statement of, um, you know, and, and again, he, he had the support of his session to do this. He said, we're, we're now a cold weather shelter that happens to be located in a church. And just a radical realignment of identity uh, in response to the emergent need that was presenting itself in Austin, Texas that night. Yeah. Which could be like a really sort of <laughs> thinking about the themes of that we've talked about in Mark of sort of like this, okay, now out of the water, what's the next step? Right. Right. Like how, how does this faith get lived? What does it look like lived? Um, and, and part of this also I don't know if this is in the Gospel of Mark or if it's somewhere else. Um, Jesus at some point talks about, you know, I think in part of talking about disciples choosing to follow him or not. Um, so, you know, no one goes to build a bridge without weighing the cost mm-hmm. of it. Um, I don't know if that's Mark. It sounds kind of like Luke to me. But, it sounds Lukean, yeah. Um, but that a similar sort of an idea, right, that... There's some sort of cost involved in doing that, but right, mm-hmm. right. And if we take this to its end, we we know the cost that God took upon Himself to reconcile humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And so each one of these stories in Mark that we're reading are different ways of Jesus teaching about what this kingdom of God looks like manifest on earth. It's it's these healing miracles. It's the it's the prioritizing your community over yourself. It's um, just over and over. It's sitting at the table with sinners and tax collectors, like we studied last week. Um, it's it's letting somebody cut a roof in the hole of your house to lower your friend through and healing <laughs> that person. I mean, um, and just over and over again, we're we're just hit with story after story after story of. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus. And this is another pretty powerful example. And then we see how the community reacts. And I hate scapegoating anyone in the Bible. You're always coming to the defense of the scribes and Pharisees. I want to come to defense of this community because, yeah, they've just lost their primary means of economic Right, that's how they feed their families. That's how they yeah. keep their community moving forward. And so their response is, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Jesus! Like yes. you've you've wiped out our entire herd. Like, could you please leave?" Mm-hmm. Um, instead of mm-hmm. "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Jesus! You have brought restoration to a broken person." Yeah. Um, and it's sort of where do we line these things up? And how do we wrestle with that? And this community is wrestling with that, but we're all called to wrestle with it too mm-hmm. as we study the way of Jesus uh, in the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that Jesus is necessarily presenting these things as easy questions. Yeah. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, um, anyone who wants to follow me, pick up their cross and follow me. I, 
I don't think that he says that lightly. No. You know, right. And say, like, you better make sure that this is the path that you want yeah. to walk down um, before you start trying to walk down it because, because I know where this is going to end. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah, to, to weigh the cost. But now you want to also read anything else for this? Uh, no, I think we've, we've covered that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought about pairing this with Ephesians 6, uh, 12 through 18, which is a somewhat familiar passage to us. Um, but let's, let's read this and kind of see how it might line up. Okay. Uh, we're going to read here from the, the NIV translation of the Bible. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Yeah. So it's it's more of that language about spiritual warfare, which I, I again find interesting. I find it not common language in the Presbyterian Church, and I find mm-hmm. it language that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but what I was struck by in this is this idea that Paul is saying is that our struggle is not a flesh and blood struggle. It's against powers and principalities. That's, that's how it's translated in the King James version. Um, but that this is a reiteration of this idea that, that sin or evil can enter into our systems and our structures. And those two can become corrupt. And as followers of Christ, we've got to prepare ourselves for that and recognize, acknowledge that it's not just about individual sin, but it's also about systemic sin that we need to be aware of and we need to be willing to stand up to when it, um, when it harms people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it ties into the conversation about the community's reaction to the demoniac. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm treading on territory that is not comfortable, not commonly talked about in the pressuring church and, and a little bit uncomfortable, but important to, I think, address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thinking about, um, you know, our prayers of confession and some of the things that we often highlight or identify as sins that we need to confess Mm -hmm. during the prayer of confession. And it's, it's almost as though there is this sort of idea that, um, 
is kind of always tempting for us to get stuck on, mm -hmm. right? And the idea is that life is really about me. Yes, right. and that sin is personal. It's my personal walk with Jesus. It's my <clears throat> own personal shortcomings. Mm -hmm. It's my not doing the right things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, that, um, and then that idea becomes manifest in a variety of ways, or mm -hmm. can become manifest in a variety of ways. Yep. Um, and, and I think that is maybe also sort of the, the idea that is looking to gain a foothold in the mind of these people who show up mm -hmm. and say, like, look at all of this. What is this going to cost you? This is, this is too much of a cost to you um, yep. that this healing has taken place. Yep. Um, and, and then that idea can also get stuck in the mind of a community as well. Um, yeah. That, like, the, we as a community think that there's too big of a cost for this individual's restoration. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Jesus over and over again reminds us that it's, yeah, it's the parable of, of the, the shepherd and the lost sheep, right? Yeah. The shepherd, the shepherd leaves the 99 to seek out that one lost sheep, potentially at the risk of the 99. A shepherd leaving a flock of 99 to potentially, you know, but it's, yeah. it's that one that the shepherd knows is in need at that moment that the shepherd goes to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and and sort of thinking of that as yeah, an idea that sort of uh, captivates us in that sort of a way is a kind of a force, right? That that's in perhaps a similar sort of a way. Like I can't. I can't touch it. I can't grab it. I can't, um, whatever. But I, I know the effect of it on my life, right? And then on the lives of others, right? As, as potentially as a result, yep. <laughs> when I get stuck on it, um, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because and yeah, because this. Yeah, this language of a, a spiritual warfare sort of a thing is not, it's certainly not a language that I use. Right. Um, so, yeah, thinking about it in that way is, is interesting for sure. But it's there. Mm -hmm. um, and it, 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 it was brought to mind for me by reading the Mark passage. And then I thought, well, let's talk about this on a personal level, but let's also talk about this on a community level and a systems and structures level recognizing that um, yeah that that evil or sin can be manifest not just in our own personal lives not to the exclusion like we we should acknowledge and work on the sin in our own personal lives but if it's right. just about us and it's just about my personal sin and my personal relationship with Jesus Christ I'm missing the point because Jesus in Mark is going through and teaching us that the kingdom is about all of it it's about everybody right. else and it's about caring for others and it's about meeting the needs of others, and it's about dining with sinners and tax collectors, and bringing them into the fold, and you know, setting the table and all that stuff. So, anyways, yeah. All right. Well, you think it'll preach? I think there's something in there that'll preach. Yeah, I think it'll preach for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, closing prayer then. All right. 
<clears throat> Loving and gracious God, thank you for your word and the many ways that it comes to us and opens our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears and our very lives to you, to your spirit, and to your calling in the world. Help us, O oh God, to take these words, take these questions, and carry them with us during the week ahead as we consider what it might mean for us to be your disciples, to follow in your ways, um, and which, which of the headlines we want to focus on more in our own lives. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And that's all we have to say about that. Indeed. What's going on in the life of the church? Well, lots going on in the life of the church, Damon. We Much. have, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we, we did uh, suspend our in-person worship this last Sunday because of the extreme cold, but we hope to be back on Sunday with uh, 8.30 contemplative service, 9.15 Sunday school hour for all ages, and a 10.30 traditional worship service in the sanctuary. So... Um, and we do have an adult ed forum on Sunday uh, that mm-hmm. uh, begins, or that that is a panel discussion about issues of faith and gender that we will explore. And so uh, we have panelists who are coming to help us talk about that. Uh, really, as a, a, an attempt uh, at faith seeking understanding, it's something that's in the headlines a lot, and we would like to try to better understand this from the perspective of our faith. So that's uh, this Sunday at nine fifteen in the Lydia Room. We hope you can join us for that mm-hmm. if you're interested. Yeah. My hope for the forum the week after, it's not 100% confirmed yet, is for members of the church to talk about uh, their experience at Frontera de Cristo. Which is our border ministry. That's actually another one that really got my mind thinking, and I, mm-hmm. I might end up talking about that in the sermon as well. But yeah, the, the Presbyterian border ministry, Frontera de Cristo, and um, we have sent delegations down to the U.S.-Mexico border. We've invited our partners from the U.S.-Mexico border to come visit us here. Um, and had a really meaningful exchange and ministry there. So, uh, yeah, it looks like theoretically that Sunday the 28th, we would have uh, an adult ed forum about that. If you're interested in learning more about that border ministry, please come. Yeah, I th- yeah, yep. Please come. <laughs> so we're also uh, got all of our Wednesday night programming. Uh, so starting at 5 p.m., we do a community dinner. Uh, all are welcome. We feed our kids and their adults and their families, if y'all want to come, uh, join us for Wednesday Night Live, and then they go into a time of uh, Bible study and uh, choir and bell choir and all that stuff. We also have youth group at that time, so join us on Wednesday nights. Um, the following Sunday, we were talking about the 28th when we're going to have that forum, yeah. is also our annual congregational meeting. This is our quirky Presbyterian thing once a year where we vote or where we gather and we hear about the state of the church, hear what happened in the last year um, and uh, prepare ourselves for the coming year. So mm-hmm. join us for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of other things maybe the folks want, might want to be aware of. February 9th and 10th, uh, we are having a junior high retreat. So um, that's going to take place. We're going to take some junior high students over to Kearney and hang out for a day and a half, something like that. Uh, we'll spend time in Bible study and fellowship and just have a nice time hanging out with one another there. Uh, if anybody knows anybody that's curious about joining for that, they're certainly welcome to get a hold of the church. 
And then also February 11th, we'll be having a... A lot of special music that day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in particular, a guest organist. Is that... I don't know if that's the proper... I think so. And then uh, an organ recital uh, by Dr. Hamilton. I don't know Dr. Hamilton's first name. I don't either. Um, but yeah, guest organist uh, leading worship on Sunday morning with our chancel choir, who will have a guest conductor... And Cathedral Brass. So that's a great morning for music at our church. Uh, And then that afternoon at 3 o'clock, there will be an organ recital in the sanctuary. So we hope you can join us for all of that. Yes. And Dr. Hamilton is certainly a renowned organist. Um, And if folks enjoyed the organ recital last year at about this time, um, then I I don't see why they wouldn't enjoy this as well. You're right. Yeah. Anything else for the good of the geese? I think that'll do it. Okay, well then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.